The following message is by Pastor Jason Polly. More information from Harmony Bible Church is available at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. Let's look at our text in 1 Corinthians 16. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're looking at verses 5 through 9. Paul writes, But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia. For I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the applying of His Word. Amen. You may be seated. So as I mentioned, we're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and Paul has spent a great deal of time talking about the resurrection, especially in chapter 15. He's talked about what it means to live in light of eternity, or principles for living, if you will. We saw a few weeks ago. And then last week we saw principles for giving. And then this week we see principles for serving. It would be easy to take this section, verses 5-9, through nine, and simply dismiss it as personal remarks given by Paul. And to say that this section has little or no bearing on us as he says, I'm going to go here, and maybe here, and maybe do this, and maybe that, just to simply dismiss it. However, as I read through this text over and over and over again, especially uh, verses 5-9, through nine, as I said, I, I began to see four principles for service emerge. Principles that Paul lived out, but also principles that I think, that I believe, are beneficial for us today. So we see four principles of service, or principles for serving the Lord and His church. I'm going to jump right in. The first principle we see, number one, is planning. Number one, planning. The Apostle Paul, he traveled a great deal of the known world, and he did so proclaiming the Gospel. But Paul didn't just fly by the seat of his pants. He didn't simply wake up each morning and say to himself, where shall I go today? Instead, he was thoughtful and careful in considering how he might best serve Jesus and his church. And this is evident throughout all of Paul's writings. It's clear that he has a heart for what is best. What can I do to best further the gospel? That that is his intent. But it's especially true in this section. Look at verse 5 again. Verse 5, Paul says, But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Paul clearly has an agenda here. He says he will go to Corinth after he goes to Macedonia. He doesn't say that he would like to go, but he says that he will go. Now this does not mean that Paul sees himself as sovereign, or that he presumes to know all of God's future plans for his life. It simply means that, this, that it was Paul's intention to get back to Corinth and to minister to the believers there. Now I use the word agenda, and the word agenda is sometimes viewed in a negative light. And while it's harmful to approach situations with the wrong agenda, it's also harmful oftentimes to have no agenda, or no intention, or purpose. You see, we all know that an agenda can be an extremely useful tool. When we have business meetings, Bill will state the agenda of the meeting. And that agenda keeps us on task, or it's supposed to keep us on task, right? 
And similarly, if we have a work day, like has been mentioned in our bulletin, the trustees, they develop an agenda, a list of tasks to be accomplished so that we can accomplish those tasks in an orderly manner. We all know what we're showing up to do. So it's not selfish ambition that is leading Paul to say, I will come and I am going. Instead, he's setting out a plan for how he's going to serve the Lord. Just like in showing up for a work day, showing up with no plan will result most likely in less work getting actually, actually getting done. And so also, not having a plan for how one is going to serve the Lord often results in us never leaving the sofa. If we don't develop a plan for how we're going to serve, it's likely that we never will serve. You see, the Bible is clear on the importance of planning. God Himself is a planner. This is obvious in reading the Scriptures. In fact, in Isaiah 37.26, God says this, Have you not heard? Long ago, I did it. From ancient times, I planned it. And as creatures made in God's image, we are indeed called to plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. That if you plan, there's an advantage in that, that there's fruit that is born from planning, but if you act hastily, that will surely lead to poverty, Proverbs says. Or Proverbs 6, 6 6-11, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer. She plans and gathers her provision in the harvest. And Jesus said in Luke 14, 28, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? You see, it's indeed... God-honoring when we plan out how we best might serve Him. It's indeed God-honoring for us to plan. So having seen this first principle that Paul is planning, he says, I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Having seen this first principle for service, planning, now let's consider the second principle for service we see from the text. Number two is prayer. Number two is prayer. Having said in verse 5, I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Paul now says in verses 6-7, through he says, and perhaps I will stay with you, or even spend the winter, so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go, for I do not wish to see you just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. You see, Paul says, I will, I am, Perhaps, I hope, if the Lord permits. And as I read this passage, those words just jumped off the page to me. The the Apostle Paul says, I am, I, I will, I am, perhaps, I hope, if the Lord permits. And please understand, this is not just Paul being wishy washy. It's not a cop out to escape what he has just said he's planning on doing. And some indeed may use the terms like perhaps, or I hope, or Lord willing when they really have no intentions of doing something. However, that is not the Apostle Paul. Paul's plans were real, but they were predicated on, they were dependent on, what he determined to be the Lord's will for him. He said, I'm planning on doing this, but I'm seeking the Lord's will. You see, 
Paul lived out what James 4, 13-15 teaches. James 4, 13-15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. And some take this to mean that we shouldn't plan. I've actually heard some say, we shouldn't plan because of this passage that tells us that we shouldn't look to the future or think that we know the future. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely absurd in light of what Scripture says. Especially in light of what this passage says. James says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. He's saying, if the Lord wills it, this is my plan. That I do have a plan. But that plan is dependent on the Lord's will. It's planning that submits to God's directives, His decrees, and His will for one's life. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And why is this one of my favorite passages? Well, because I've seen it lived out. I've lived it out. That oftentimes I'll plan my way, I'll think this is the road I'm heading down, and God says, no, 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 this is the road you're heading down. That there should be planning, but God is the one who directs our steps. I was thinking the other day, if you'd have asked me, I was meeting with Pastor Phil and praying about the church plant in Damariscotta, and he reminded me of a conversation some five or six years ago about the need for more gospel in the Rockland area and the need for more gospel in the Damariscotta area. And if you'd have told us then, well, here's here's what God's plan is for you to live this out. That you're going to be pastoring this church called Harmony Bible Church, and Phil, you're going to be planting a church in Damariscotta. We would have both said, you're crazy! That was not in our plan, but we did have a plan. We We did think through But we predicated that plan on God's will. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord is the one who directs his steps. You see, it brings me comfort in knowing that I can plan. This passage brings me comfort because I can be purposeful, but ultimately as I pray and seek the Lord, He's the one who's going to guide my steps. That I say, I'm heading this way. And he says, turn this way a little bit. And turn this way a little bit. And he directs us in the way in which we should go. Well, the word prayer, I just want to point out, the word prayer is not mentioned here in this section of 1 Corinthians. You say, but Pastor, you say your second point is prayer, and yet Paul doesn't mention prayer anywhere in here. It's evident that when Paul says, if the Lord permits... He's talking about seeking the Lord, and he's talking about seeking the Lord in prayer. We see this dedication to seeking the Lord in prayer throughout Paul's life and ministry. In Romans 1, verses 9 through 10, he writes this For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is witness, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps. Now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. He says, I'm praying that perhaps by the will of God, I may come to you. In Romans. And in Romans 15, again, 15 uh, verses 30-32, through he says, 
Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God, and find refreshing rest in your company. You see, whenever Paul talks about his ministry plans, his plan to come by the will of God, it is coupled with prayer. Paul knows that any ministry plans that he has have to be God's ministry plans. That in order for success to happen, success is faithfulness to the Lord's will. And therefore, he needs to be in the Lord's will. So Paul, in serving the Lord, we see an example of two principles, planning and prayer. I will do this if perhaps the Lord wills. And now I want you to see the third principle. The third principle is passion. Not only do we have planning and prayer, but we also have passion. Look at verse 7 with me again. Verse 7, Paul writes this, For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, For I hope to remain with you for some time. See, Paul didn't view his visit to Corinth as just another box to check off his ministry list. I'm sure Paul was like you and I in that he wasn't always excited to do what God called him to do. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times when God calls me to do something, or there are times when I'm I'm required to do something, and I'm not always excited to do it. And I doubt that Paul was always excited. Now certainly there are times when we do things not because we feel like doing them, but out of sheer obedience. However, we mustn't forget that Paul just spent this entire time talking about the resurrection. And if we have an appropriate view of the resurrection, if we have an eternal mindset, if our minds are focused not on this life but on the life to come, if we can recognize that this life is but a vapor, then our lives and our ministry should regularly be marked by a passion for the things of God. That if we live not for this world, not for the next new pair of shoes or the next motorcycle or the next car or whatever it is right, that we're living for, but instead, or even happiness, or even uh, ease, in this life, if we're living instead for eternal rewards, if we're living in light of eternity, recognizing that the Gospel is clear. That we will all live eternally in one place or another. Either in heaven with God or in hell eternally separated from God. That if we view that, if we remember that, we live in light of that, then we have passion for the things of God. We want to proclaim the Gospel to our friends, to our neighbors, to our loved ones. In other words, our lives should be marked by what Jesus said the entire Old Testament was based on. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then in turn, loving your neighbor as yourself. See, Paul was passionate about serving the Lord. He was passionate about serving the Lord wholeheartedly. That's why he writes in Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14, Paul writes this. He says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which, that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I press on. I press on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That as I live this life, I am not living for this. I'm not living for the race. I'm living to cross the victory line. I'm living for the prize, namely eternal life. And in 1 Corinthians 9.24, he writes, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. He's saying live not for this life, but for eternity. And Paul understood that loving and serving the Lord wholeheartedly, that living in light of eternity meant loving and serving the church, the Lord's church as well. You see, Paul understood, and we need to understand, that the Great Commission naturally follows the greatest commandment. We talked about the Great Commission in Sunday school today, and we talk about what it means to make disciples. That the Great Commission naturally follows loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Paul took Jesus' words in Matthew 28 seriously when he said, Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, Paul didn't want to just pop into Corinth. He loved the people in Corinth because he loved God. He had a heartfelt desire to spend time with them because he was passionate about serving the Lord. You see, he loved God's people because he loved God. And the two naturally fit together. That if we don't love God's people, we should ask ourselves, do we love the Lord? Paul had a passion for ministry. He didn't just want to go to Corinth and check it off his ministry list. Instead, he wanted to spend time with them to be serious about the work of making disciples, of teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded them. So having seen the first three principles for serving the Lord and His church, planning, prayer, and passion, let's consider our fourth and final principle, perseverance. Fourthly, let's consider perseverance. Look at verses 8 and 9 of our text. Verses 8 through 9, Paul writes, But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul says that in spite of the fact that there are many adversaries, many who oppose Him, a wide door for effective service has been opened for Him in Ephesus. Therefore, he says, I intend to remain here for some time to come. He says, in spite of the fact that there are many who are opposing me, a wide door has been opened for me. And it's a door that's effective for serving the Lord. Therefore, I am staying put. This should serve as great encouragement for us to persevere in the midst of difficult circumstances. See, as we've already seen, Paul understood that his ministry plans needed to be held on to loosely. That any plans he formed needed to be subject to the Lord's will. That being said, he didn't mistake opposition for a sign that God wanted him to call it quits. 
I think far too often when opposition comes, we say, well, the Lord's closing that door. Paul didn't say that. Paul said the opposite. He said, opposition has come. A wide door for effective service has opened for me. In spite of the fact that there are many adversaries. He didn't say, well, I guess that's my sign to call it quits in Ephesus and move on to Corinth. In fact, he said, no, I'm staying here because there are many adversaries. He was going to persevere. Why? Because he understood that opposition and even persecution was part of being a Christian. It's part of the Christian life. That's why he told Timothy when he wrote to Timothy in in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You see, persecution and suffering and trials and difficulty are not God's way of closing a door for us to serve, but instead a means for Him to call us to persevere. Let me repeat that. Persecution, suffering, trials, and difficulty are not God's way of closing a door for us to serve, but instead, Him calling us to persevere. The Christian life is one of perseverance. That's why James writes in James 1.12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's this expectation of perseverance. There's an expectation of difficulty, of trial, of suffering, even of persecution as a follower of Jesus. And James goes so far as to say, blessed is the man who perseveres, not if he faces a trial, but Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because that man, that's the one who will receive the crown of life. There's an expectation that as we serve Jesus, we will face opposition. That's why Peter in 1 Peter writes the same idea. He writes, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Yes, there will be difficulty. There will be suffering. But Christ Himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So not only do we are we called to persevere, but we know that we can persevere. It's also why Timothy, Paul, when writing to the young pastor Timothy, also said, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear. That you need to persevere in this. When I think of perseverance, I can't help but think of Paul as he ends the, near of the, the end of his life, as he, he draws close to the end of his life. He says these words in 2 Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. That's perseverance. Paul, in giving his testimony in the book of Acts, shares trial after trial after trial and difficulty after difficulty. And yet he perseveres. And he gets to the end of his life and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I pray that every one of you can say that same thing. I pray that I can say that. Oh, to get to the end of my life and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. That's perseverance. And in our text, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul makes it clear, there are many adversaries, but God has opened a wide door for effective service. So I'm persevering. I'm staying put until He calls me elsewhere. So, by way of review, I want to review those four principles. Four principles for serving the Lord and His church. Number one, planning. Number two, prayer. Number three, passion. And number four, perseverance. That as we serve the Lord, we are called to plan, we're called to pray, we're called to serve with passion, and we're called to persevere. So here's the big question. And I know you're thinking, wow, this is early, right? Here's the big question. So how do we, as Harmony Bible Church, both individually and corporately, specifically, apply all of this to our lives? How do we take these principles and now live in light of these principles? First, as individuals. I want to encourage you to examine your lives and reflect on the following questions. Number one, do you as an individual have a plan for how you might continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a plan for how you're going to serve the Lord? Are you purposeful in the way you're living out your faith? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? Number two, are you truly seeking Him in prayer? Are you seeking Him in prayer and saying, not not my will in my life, but instead His will. Instead, Your will for my life, Lord. Are you truly seeking Him in prayer? Number three, do you have a growing passion for serving the Lord and His church? Or have you gotten to a place where ministry, whether it's inside the walls of the church building or outside the walls, has just become another thing to do on your checklist? Are you in a place where you've got a long list of things to do and one of those many things is folding the bulletin in half on Sunday morning? Where one of those long list of things to do is preparing the PowerPoint presentation or picking out the music. Or lest anybody think I'm picking on specific people, right? It's preaching the sermon. Is it calling somebody who's sick or visiting somebody in the hospital? Where those things just become things we check off the list. Where they just become things that we're, we have to do much like we have to brush our teeth in the morning. Or are we doing them with passion because we love Jesus and we recognize what Jesus has done for us? Are we doing them because we have a passion for the Gospel? We recognize the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. That though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That He took our place. That He was raised on that third day, defeating death, so that we can spend eternity in heaven with Him. 
And when we remember that, when we preach the gospel to ourselves, we have a passion for the Lord and His church. And sometimes I feel like I could just stand up here every week and say, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I realize that's not helpful. What's helpful is to say, look at what Jesus did. Remember the gospel. Remember, God came in the flesh and died in your place because of your sin, your rebellion. And He's going to rescue you once and for all. That as we remember that, a growing passion bubbles up inside of us. So the question is, do you have a passion for serving the Lord and His church? Or have you gotten to a place where just ministry is just another thing you do, another thing on your already long checklist? Number four, have you let trials and difficulties, and maybe even persecution, have you let those things lead you to think that God is actually closing doors when in fact He's calling you to persevere? Have you let trials, difficulties, and circumstances lead you to a place where you think, well, God's closing that door, when in fact, what God is calling you to do is persevere. Fight the good fight. Continue firm in the faith. So we have to ask, do we have a plan? Are we seeking Him in prayer? Do we have a growing passion? And is God calling us to persevere when we think we should call it quits? And that's as individuals. But I also want us to consider these questions as a church. And this is where I feel like I need to provoke you a little bit. Because frankly, I'm afraid that we, including me, might be losing sight of all that God has for the ministry of this church. I think it's very easy to do. I think we see God work, we get excited, we see God move, and then we just go through the motions of, Sunday turns into the next Sunday, and it turns into the next Sunday, and it turns into the next Sunday. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, well, I just lived Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, and I never really planned, I never really prayed, I never really had passion, and I never really persevered. Instead, I want to say the opposite of that. I don't want to lose sight of all that God has for me as an individual, and I don't want to lose sight of all that God has for the ministry of this church. So the questions I want to ask us is do we, as Harmony Bible Church, do we have a specific plan for how we might best serve the Lord Jesus Christ as a church body? What does that look like? How do we grow in that? Are we being purposeful? Are we being strategic in where we are headed? Or are we simply living, as I said, from Sunday to Sunday? From meeting to meeting. What is our vision for how we as Harmony Bible Church, not me, by the way, and the problem with something like this is it becomes all about what I'm going to do as the pastor and how I'm going to lead the church. The question is, how are we, how are we going to carry out the Great Commission? What is our vision for what that looks like? You know, we all know that we're called to go and make disciples, but what does that look like? Do we have a vision? Do we have a plan for how we're going to help each other grow? Isn't that what discipleship is? Certainly that should include one-on-one discipleship and Sunday school and community groups. But do we see that really as part of our vision? That's just some elements through which we carry forth that vision. Do we have a plan for growing in the way we support global missions? I don't know if we do. 
I don't know if we have a plan for the future and how we're going to grow in supporting more missionaries financially, for praying for missions more in general, for encouraging more short-term mission trips. Let's not drop the ball on this. Instead, let's see God use us mightily, not because of us, but in spite of us, to further the Gospel around the world. To pray for Roddick and Laura as they came here and shared what's going on as they serve the Lord right in the Czech Republic. To pray for other missionaries that we may know personally, but also to pray for missionaries as a group. To encourage more of our members to go on short-term missions trips. This is not something that, uh, that, just, that is just good for teenagers. Something that we would all benefit from. Do we have a plan for how we're going to support more missionaries in the future? I think we should. I think we should look. How many missionaries can we possibly support? And how do we grow in that? What is our plan long term in that? Do we have a plan for how we might further the gospel in our own backyard? Talk about missions. We talk about discipleship within, within this group. And I think we're pretty good at discipleship within this group. Not that we, have, we don't need to grow in developing a plan. And not that we don't need to grow in developing a support, support global missions, but... I think, especially as we look at this list, how do we develop a plan for how we might further the gospel in our own backyard? Through evangelism, through outreach, through meeting needs within the community. That's outreach. Seeing where the local school needs to be painted. So can we go and paint the local school and encourage them in the gospel? Use that as not just a service project, but an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Or how do you help your neighbor who needs a meal, deliver a meal to them as an opportunity to give them what they really need, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do we live in this community that God has called us to live in and reach out with the gospel message? Do we have a plan for how we might further the gospel in church planting? Maybe church planting is part of that. Maybe supporting Pastor Phil. Maybe planting another church ourselves. Maybe this means that God's going to call us. Maybe... Call five of us to go off and plant a church. Or ten of us to plant another church. I don't know. Do we have a plan for how we're going to support Spruce Head and other churches in the area that are faithfully proclaiming the Gospel? We should have a plan for how we're going to further the Gospel. So The question is, do we have a plan as a church, as a body, for how we might best serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do we just kind of go through week after week just thinking it's naturally going to happen? when Paul clearly had a plan for ministry. But with that plan, the second question I want to ask is, are we as a church body, a family, truly seeking Him in prayer? Are we seeking the Lord in prayer and asking Him to guide and direct the ministry of this church? We can plan all we want, but if that, if that planning is not rooted in prayer, if it's not in accordance with the Lord's will, it is all for naught. We need to be serious about praying. Where is God guiding us? I remember having a conversation with Mark not long ago about a church that he attended, and he said it seemed like all the members were just waiting to die. That they just were waiting for their lives to finally be over. That is a sad commentary on Christian life. We need to have a plan. We need to be seeking the Lord and following where He wants us to follow. The question I want to ask as we think about that is, are our times of corporate prayer more about what we want from God 
than it is about what He wants from us. And even as I wrote that this week, I was convicted. Are we even willing to ask what He wants, knowing that His will may not be in line with our will? Are we as a church body, a family, truly seeking Him in prayer? Number three, do we as a church body have a growing passion for building His kingdom? Or are we simply going through the motions? Are we truly abounding in the work of the Lord as we saw a couple of weeks ago? Overflowing in God's work. Not just as individuals, but as a group. Are we passionate about helping each other grow and seeing others come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And if so, great! And I want to ask us, not not to accuse us of not doing that, because I think we are doing that. I think we do have that passion. But I think we need to grow in that passion. It's not enough, folks. We need to lift up the Gospel. Elevate the Gospel more and more and more every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday. So that our passion is growing in us to share the Gospel. To see others grow in the Gospel and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So the question we need to ask is, where's the evidence of that passion? Is there evidence as a body, collectively? Can the world look to us? Can the other churches look to us and go, there's a group that has a passion for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope, I hope and pray, that that is the case and it's growing in us. Number four, finally, do we as Harmony Bible Church, that's collectively, do all of us as a group, do we view obstacles as closed doors? Or do we view them as an opportunity to persevere? I'm not saying the Lord doesn't close some doors of ministry that He doesn't certainly say, not here, but here. Because we see that. Even as we pray, God directs our steps. But are we viewing all obstacles as closed doors instead of an opportunity to persevere? Have we lost sight of the fact that Christ has promised that He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? You see, as our culture moves further and further away from biblical values, are we becoming more about advancing the gospel? Or are we becoming more about retreating to our corner? Do we believe that God can use Harmony Bible Church in a mighty and awesome way to further the gospel? Do you believe that? Not because we're great, but because He is. It's in our weakness that He will use us. And we need to believe that He is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. Because He is. You know, as I read through that list, thinking about missions, thinking about church planting, thinking about reaching the lost, thinking about giving more to missions, supporting more missionaries, praying more for missionaries, planting churches. Did you think, that's really not possible. That's not Harmony Bible Church. That's not, we're too small. We're not capable. In some, in some respect, I hope you say yes, because we're not capable. We need to be persevering and doing the Lord's work, not our work. We do need to have a plan, but it needs to be the Lord's plan. We need to have passion for the Lord's plan. We need to persevere. I guess what I'm asking in all of this, I'm asking it to myself as well as to all of us collectively. Is, is seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, is that a reality? Or is that just a cute catchphrase that we live out, that we say we live out? 
Are we really seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness? The thing I want us to ask is, as we consider how we might serve the Lord and how we might serve His church, are we planning? Are we praying? Are we passionate? And are we persevering? The Lord has given us the opportunity to be like the Apostle Paul, to plan, to pray, to have passion, and to persevere. Let's do so and trust Him to work mightily in us and through us, not because of us, but in spite of us and for His glory. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your grace. God, give us a vision for how You might use us. Not for our glory, but for Yours. Not for our sake, but for the sake of Your church, for Your church universal. Saints not only here in this building, but saints throughout the world. God, give us a vision for how You might use us in spite of us. Not because of us, but because of You. God, I thank You for an opportunity to consider Your Word. Thank You for an opportunity to consider Paul and his faithful service to You, to Your church. God, I pray that both as individuals and as a church body, we would be serious about planning, serious about prayer, serious about our passion for You and furthering the Gospel and serious about the need to persevere in such things. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Jason Polly, pastor of Harmony Bible Church in South Thomaston, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and we invite you to connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. God bless you, and to God be the glory.